Ladies and gentlemen, on this episode of Best of All Leading League Sports, I go ahead and give a quick breakdown of what happened this past weekend for combat sports as we had UFC 289 and Tiafimo Lopez versus Josh Taylor. Where does T.O. go from here? Then we have Game 5 of the NBA Finals as the Heat reactivate Tyler Hero. The Stanley Cup Finals as we have the Panthers and Vegas Golden Knights still going at it with Vegas about to win this, the entire thing. Then, last but not least, we have the PGA Tour and Live Tour merger. What that means for the game of golf? Stay tuned. When it comes to sports entertainment today, we've seen so much of an evolution when it comes to some of the best products in sports and sports entertainment go to Saudi Arabia. And Saudi Arabia, for the past few months, they've been absolutely going at it. They've been they've been putting up incredible numbers for insane events. For example, I mean, the WWE and Saudi Arabia just came together to get another venue deal for the next few years, which is great for Saudi Arabia on their, on their behalf. Then, on top of that, for the Live Tour to be made and for them to merge together with the PGA Tour, that just goes to show that's another huge business deal. And then on top of that, some of the best teams in Saudi Arabia when it comes to uh, football or soccer, as we call it here in America, <laughs> not trying to sound proper, just calling it how it is, because, you know, a lot of people would probably say, oh, yeah, we play fo football, 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 but we just call it soccer. Stop. We're, we're not English. We're not any of that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, as, you, as you've seen, Saudi Arabia has been able to pay some of the biggest players in the world. For example, Ronaldo, and they just offered N'Golo Conte, one of the best midfielders in the Premier League, um, so right now it seems that Saudi Arabia is making very big business deals when it comes to the game of sports, uh, when it comes to any type of sport. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if they made some sort of new basketball league here in the future, buying some of the best players. I wouldn't really, <laughs> I would probably see that happening too. However, one of the things that blew up the world last week and, and I didn't, I didn't get to it, but looking at it as details have, have, uh, have, you know, swarmed in. The biggest thing right now is the Live Tour and the PJ Tour coming together and becoming one super golf tour. And there's been so many mixed comments, and on top of that, so many uh, different takes on it. My, my thing is this. You made both of those. The PJ was is, without a doubt, the best sporting, like, sporting association for golf when it comes to the game of golf. When it comes to golf, the PJ is undisputedly the best. Um, and on top of that, like, but it's really hard to get into the PGA because the PGA is like one of the, one of the toughest types of comp like competitive golf that you can see and you can watch, obviously. Um, you know, you have like, you have to go through Q school, you have to go through the corn Ferry tour. You have to do so many different things just to get there, just to get in, in the game. And what's crazy and what really documents this really well is full swing. And I know that's like probably a few months, you know, <laughs> pretty irrelevant. But personally, full swing get, does a great job at showing 
what what it means to be a professional golfer in the PJ. And it, it kind of showed both sides of being either a PGA Tour golfer or a Live Tour golfer. Now, for them to merge, apparently from a statement from the, the manager or the uh, or the commissioner of the PGA was they're not going to be able to compete with the Lives, uh, with the Live Tour's funds, which personally, I mean, I can see that. But one of the biggest things surrounding the game uh, and, and, the, and the tour, the Live Tour, has been where they got their money from. And... And there's also been a lot of controversy with maybe a few members of the commission linked to people uh, who helped organize 9/11, and apparently they killed one of uh, America's journalists. I think it was on the I think it was on the uh, Washington Post or the New York Times. That was the journalist that that was killed by uh, Saudi Arabian, so to speak. Um, but that, like I said, that kind of stuff. Um, that, that's like more political stuff like that. Not going to get into that, but that's what, that's what we've seen. Uh, details have, have, uh, arose and came to, came to a light. Um, but what it means for the game of golf, you have guys that simply wanted to compete with the best in the world. For example, you have the likes of Justin Thomas, Roy McIlroy, or, um, for example, like Tiger Woods at one point, even though he hasn't been the most active, but they're there to actually compete and play against some of the best in the world. And when when you play good, you can make a lot of money. And when you make a lot of money and when you play good, you can get endorsements and sponsorships. But when you're on the tail end, you're probably living out of your car. And and but you're still trying to win and you and even if you place in the top 10, you still make a lot of money. For example, if you place top 10 in the Masters, you probably make a a huge X amount of money. Um but for the live tour, what really watered it down for me was how much money everyone got. And you have so much talent in the game of golf. For example, Cameron Smith, Xander Schauffele, uh, you have Brooks Kepka still, who just won the PGA a few weeks ago. Um, you, you guys, and then on top of that, Bry- Bryson DeChambeau, even though he might not be the most liked, but he's, he's one of the most kind of like up there, like he's, he's being often uh, talked about and whatnot, but... The fact of the matter is that these two merged as the the Saudis got some of the best in the world. That they got some of the best in the world talent to go over there for money, and we get that for sure. We get that. However, when the more money comes in, the less motivation you have, and just to show up and play for a hundred million dollars doesn't really seem fun. And when it comes to the PGA. They fight to survive, and they they're they're kind of fighting to survive, and that's kind of like a that's something that's often talked about in the UFC. You fight you fight to survive, and if you're up in the top in the middle of the pack, you're fine. But if you're if you're not fighting the best, then you're you're going broke, and we get that. But it's not about money when it comes to the game of golf. When if we're talking about if we're talking about that, if you're trying to be one of the best players in the world and make money, which I understand, like the goal, like some people treat the game and they try to play good for money. But others play for accolades, and that's what sets people apart. Because Tiger was great, and that's how he got all that money in the first place, but that hunger never dwindled. When he got hurt for the first time, uh, it was scary, obviously, when, when his back was messed up. And and everyone said, that oh, he's done, he's done, he's done. But then he came back and he won the Masters in 2019. See, players like that want to play for the accolades, the championships, for the greatness. And when it comes to just throwing a bunch of money and bribing people, I get a lot of people would probably go for it, for sure. 
However, but where does that hunger go if you want to do that? I mean, do you just want to play like 18 holes and pack it home and just retire? Like, especially like Cameron Smith, uh, Cameron Smith is a younger guy. And on top of that, he's one of the younger stars. And like, for example, yeah, Victor Hovland, who's starting to get into his own as well. Um, and you still have some of the best in the world, like Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas. You have still Rory. Like, you still have these guys, like, who are still prominent figures in the PGA. And, I mean, for what we've seen, there's going to be a second full swing season two, which I cannot wait for. Um, and Rory seemed visibly upset by the entire move. And I think a lot of people would be because, you know, it kind of it kind of created a whole uh, disbandment when it came to the world of golf. And a lot of people had different opinions about it. Um, but when it comes to the game of golf, it affects people differently because you see the amount of competition that people had and live. Sure, it was fun, but a lot of these people were just, they, they didn't really care, it looked like. And I know that some of the best in the world went over to live, but that's just because they just went for the money. And like I said, where does the, where does the hunger go when the, when the money comes in? Where does the motivation go when more money comes in? We get that. But if you're actually trying to be a great professional golfer and you're trying to win more golf tournaments, that's why you go to the PGA because it seems more competitive. And for that, for that move to have had, like for that move to have had happened, it goes to show that right now the game of golf is definitely in, in somewhere we haven't seen it before. And uh, it seems that two businesses have co-joined together with two very different backgrounds and on top of that you have uh they both have different ways of doing things and when the live tour first came together it was about if, if you go over to the live tour from the pga you're done like you can't come back and for them to merge again uh there's there's so many things that have been uh handled especially some of the lawsuits against each other against the live and the pga tour like they they both filed lawsuits against each other um and, and for that to have happened uh, it goes to show that the game of golf seems a little bit more political than it has been. And simply, a lot of people might not think it's an entertaining sport, but I think it's a very entertaining sport, especially when it's in uh, a group format such as the Ryder Cup. When it's when it's either a match play, when you're going singles, or when you're or, or you have a you have a foursome, but you have it's a two on two. I love that. That's probably one of my favorite things. But match play is one of the most fun things that you can see. And on top of that, when it comes down to the 18th hole and you go to a sudden death playoff to decide a major champion or anything like that. Um, and yeah, I, I really do think that the next thing that um, the game of golf will see is how some of these some of these uh, tour golfers can merge back together, and on top of that, where some of the new talent goes. I mean, it's just going to be very interesting because for the fact that the commissioner said that we don't have the funding to to compete with them, that just goes to show that there's a little bit of suspicion over there. Um, and and personally, the PJ's been there, but they've never gotten. They've never gotten someone, or they've never gone up against someone who has as much money, or if not more money than the PGA, and it's the first time we've seen this happen, and it's probably going to be one of the most interesting things in sport from a business, in sports from a business perspective. But anyways, guys, I'm going to get to the next segment of UFC 289 and Tiafimo Lopez beating uh, Josh Taylor. So stay tuned for that.
in need of some really cool clothing and streetwear? Well, I have the perfect place for you. Hyped Experience and No Man's Land Vintage is the perfect source for all your vintage, pop culture, and streetwear needs. Follow No Man's Land Vintage and Hyped Experience on Instagram. This is all for people who live in the upstate of South Carolina, and trust me, guys, I go here all the time, and it is incredible. They have such a variety of different kicks shirts, jerseys, everything that you want pop culture. They have old school stuff. And like I said, guys, I told my buddy Ethan, who actually runs one of these Instagram pages, guys, when you wear a piece of vintage, it's like wearing a piece of history. So come on down to these websites or on top of that, just follow them on Instagram. That is N-O-M-A-N-S-L-A-N-D-V-T-G, all one word. And on top of that, H-Y-P-E-D-E-X-P-E-R-I-E-N-C-E, all one word on Instagram. From the sport of boxing, um, after just winning the 140 pound title from Josh Taylor, who is an absolute warrior, an absolute stud. Uh, and, and it was a great performance to see uh, Tio get back into the winning column. But for him to walk away um, at such a young age when he has so many different killers at his weight class, I mean, you have some of the likes of Devin Haney, Shakur Stevenson. Um, Gervonta Davis, Ryan Garcia, uh, Roly Romero. There's so many great guys out there for the sport of boxing at that weight class. And for him to walk away, it's really unfortunate to see. But um, he put on a great performance, man. I mean, he, he just showed his aggression. On top of that, he really showed his power. Um, and he really knows the game well. Um, but he's very hit or miss sometimes. And, and, and we don't know. We can maybe see him back one day, but... Uh, if this is the route that he chooses, I wish him all the best. And uh, I think the sport of boxing will actually thank him as well. And last but not least for this segment, I'm going to be getting quickly into the UFC 289. Now, let me tell you one thing about this about this pay-per-view in Canada. It was an absolute great showcase for Canadian MMA. It was all, all Canadians on the card went six for six. Uh, every single Canadian on the card got a win. Um, and also, you got to really see some new showcase um or some new talent on the up-and-coming showcasing their talent. Um, for example, you had Mike Malott did a really great job. He had a, he sunk in an amazing uh, guillotine from top mount, really great. Um, then on top of that, you had Barrio go up against, uh, against Eric Anders, which is a great fight. He really got to showcase how good he's gotten. And Eric Anders is still he's still, he's still a decent fighter, but the only problem is, is he seems to gas out pretty early. Um, and, and Well, no, no, not early. He seems to gas out pretty quickly. And and that's one thing that he really needs to he really needs to um, condition. He really needs to work on being disciplined and not trying to throw out every single strike that he has with the with the intention of a knockout. He needs to stylistically break someone down and then probably go for a finish. Um, and, and take a look at also what we've seen from Charles Oliveira. He did a great job, and then on top of that, Amanda Nunes both had a really good fight, and then. One thing before I get into those two fights is look at what Dan Ige just did to Nate the Train. And make no mistake about it, Nate the Train is an absolute gritty savage. Like he gets hit, but he's 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 hard. He's hard to he's hard to put down. He's a really tough guy, but with Dan Ige, he fought a really good fight and on top of that, he he did everything that he needed to do, man. I mean, he fought probably one of the best fights that we've seen him fight for a little bit and his power at 145 is real. And for him to uh for him to keep his spot in the top 15 at featherweight uh, goes to show that he's going to have some really good fights coming up soon at 145 because the only way up for him, I mean, the only way um, or the only direction that he's going right now is up. 
And the next thing that we really need to look into is how well Charles Oliveira just performed. Uh, first round KO of Benil Dariush. When personally, I thought I thought uh, Benil would would pressure him a little bit more with his wrestling, uh, because both guys have really good power. Um, but I was I was totally wrong, and, and and I was just going from a from like I wanted personally as a fan as a fan perspective I really wanted Charles to win, uh, but it would have been interesting to see how Benil would have went if he won the fight too. Um, because personally, it was a win-win for the lightweight division, and I know a lot of people say that that uh, Dariush isn't exactly the most entertaining. Um, but he's really he's really in there to have a war, um, and he knows how to he knows how to fight. And on top of that, he's he's gonna be fine. I think uh, he's probably gonna make one more one more run at the title and probably and probably hang it up afterwards. I don't know um, because he is getting a little bit older, but he's still one of the best in the world. He's 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 still he's still up there and he's still fighting really well. But personally, I really do think that what happens next when it comes to lightweight is undeniable. Personally, I think that Charles gets another rematch with Islam, 100%. And I know that Gaethje and Poirier have to fight for, like, they have to fight for the second time for the BMF title in, in July, uh, late July to be exact. But personally, it wouldn't make sense to give the winner of Gaethje and Poirier the title shot. It wouldn't. It wouldn't make sense at all. Because, I mean, don't get me wrong, you've seen Poirier and you've seen... Gaethje win their past few fights. Poirier beat Michael Chandler by finish, and Gaethje defended his spot by beating Rafael Fazeev, which is a great fight. And one other thing is for for Charles to lose the lose the belt, or well, not exactly lose the belt, but well, actually no, we can get into that. He lost the belt because the the scale when he fought Gaethje for for his uh, it was supposed to be a second title defense. And personally, I feel like that was very shady, very fishy, and I think 99% of MMA fans do as well. Um, and then on top of that, for, for Islam versus Charles, uh, I mean, Charles fought a pretty decent fight, but he didn't exactly show the best of his talent. But for him to get finished by Islam and for him to come back and finish Dariush in the first round, that goes to show that, that Charles is next, 100%. And then last but not least, we have uh, Nunez versus Aldana. As Nunez did exactly what she needed to do to beat Aldana, and she actually retires as a double champion as both the featherweight and bantamweight champion for women's MMA in the UFC. Really great job there. Um, and I know that there's a lot of downplay on her resume at 145, but 145 is there. There's talks of it being scrapped for women's MMA, and personally, I could see it happening because there's really not that many fighters at 145 to begin with. It, it feels like they don't even have a top 15. They they don't have anybody really, and for one thirty five, uh, with with Amanda, I mean, for her to do what she did at bantamweight and and put on some of the best fights at bantamweight for women's MMA and breaking the barrier of it mainly being known as a as a men only sport, she she kind of tore through after Ronda Rousey, um, you know she she beat the likes of uh, Misha Tate, um, she beat the likes of Ronda Rousey, Holly Holm, Valentina Shevchenko, uh, Megan Anderson. And I mean the list goes on and on. And on top of that, she dominated Pena in her last fight, not most recently against Aldana. And Pena was supposed to fight Aldana too. And one thing that I found really crazy is don't get me wrong, Pena Pena is here for a reason. She fought she fought really good to get to the title. Um But the one thing is I, I've seen so much split when it comes to the discussion of Nunez and Pena. Cause let's be honest. The first fight, we know. 
Pena won. She did a really good job, and we heard we heard the the story a million times. Nunez was hurt. Oh no, yeah, we know. But listen, look at what Nunez did the second fight. Does it does it warrant a rematch, a trilogy? No, it doesn't. I mean, cause look at look at what Nunez has done. She did, she obviously deserved that rematch, hundred percent. And then for for Pena to get dominated 50-45 and, and and call for a title shot, I just don't get that. For for a rematch for a trilogy, I don't get that. And, and the fact that Pena also said that oh Nunez is scared to fight me and everything like that, but look at what she just did though. She fought a great fight against Pena the second time, and and it seems like to me all of the points that Pena brought up were invalid. There was. There was, she said that she went through a pregnancy, a, like a double knee surgery, uh, or and then also she, she was able to have a baby come back fully recovered, and and she won the the Ultimate Fighter for 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 a few years ago when it was Tate versus Rousey. I mean, those are all reasons, but they're not valid reasons for competition. If Pena wanted the rematch, she should have fought someone else at 135 and actually fought her way back up. Because, like, would it make sense? <laughs> Did it make sense for, for like, would it make sense right now if, look at the way that Holloway lost to, Vel- to Volkanovski the third time. You think that Holloway deserves an immediate rematch? No, it doesn't. So that's what I'm saying. That makes sense. That just makes, makes no sense to me. And, and I know, and I know a lot of people said that, well, Nunez is scared to fight Pena a third time. If ne- if Nunez fought her the way that she did in the second fight again, Nunez wins easy. And on top of that, Nunez knows how to take advantage of Juliana's striking, because that's what she did in that fight. And then on top of that, she used her wrestling. She used her experience. She has more championship experience than any other women's mixed martial arts athlete in the sport currently. I mean, I know that they're cyborg, but still, if you're looking at it from this perspective. But anyways, guys, we're going to get into the next topic, which is the the Heat and Nuggets Game 5 tonight at 8.30 p.m. And there's apparently talks of Tyler Hero coming back for the Heat, so stay tuned for that. Man, one thing that I really have to say about the the Heat, no matter if Tyler Hero does or doesn't come back for this for this uh, matchup for Game Five, personally, I really want to see this Heat team develop a little bit further. I mean, because there's so many great players on this team, and there's been there's been talks of maybe Damian Lillard. I mean, Damian Lillard said that ideally he would either want to land at the Nets or the Heat, and if he does, good on him. But personally, I wouldn't want to give up my young core or also like a bunch of players just to go to Portland. And I'm not saying that in a mean way to Portland, but I'm just saying, I know Damian Lillard is a great player for sure. hundred percent. No doubt. One of the best point guards, um, for, for the, for the trailblazers in their history, if not the best, 
But I really do think that for the Heat, win or lose tonight for Game 5, if they lose or if they win, it's great experience because the team is only getting better. And you have such a great – you have a few young stars who are making their way up, Gabe Vincent, and on top of that you have, you have Martin. Martin's been doing a really good job. And look at some of the other guys, the, the experienced vets. You have Kyle Lowry who won a ring before with Kawhi Leonard. Then also you have Bam Adebayo, and also you have Jimmy Butler, a.k.a. Jimmy Buckets. And I think that if Oladipo and Tyler Hero were both healthy, they would make this, they would make this series – and, and this run a little bit more interesting. And I'm not saying that they can't do that maybe next year. They're still a great developing team, and they're doing a really good job every time they step onto the court. I mean, I know that they, I know that they, don't, they haven't been winning, but still, that doesn't mean anything. I mean, their, their finals experience and, and how well they've been able to pick things up and how, how well they've been able to move their offense this entire postseason is really great. And they really have nothing to be ashamed of if they, if they, if they lose. They should, they should have their, their heads held high. And if they win, good on them. I'm not riding out the heat at all. I'm not riding them out. But you cannot deny what the Nuggets have been able to do. If they win this game tonight, it's their first ever title in their franchise history. And on top of that, they have so many great players. I mean, you have Jokic. You have Aaron Gordon. You have Jamal Murray. Those are really great caliber players right there. And everyone talks about Murray and and Jokic. And they're two of the best players on the court, hands down. No doubt about it. But one thing that you can't ignore when it comes to watching this team is how well they, they move the ball around. As Jokic is the MVP for a reason. He can score, get the rebounds, and dish out many assists. And also, like, the last time out, he was playing on pretty much limited minutes. And he's still playing really, like... He's basically playing his bas- his best basketball, which he plays basically every night. So personally, whoever wins this matchup tonight, I mean, it- it's going to be very interesting to watch. So personally, I'm excited to see what happens for both teams, win or lo- win or lose this series. I mean, and and the Nuggets, I mean, they go to show that they're still one of the best teams in in the Western Conference. And if not, personally, I think that they could win. They could win this one and maybe win it again next year. We'll see. But uh, next thing you know, guys, just stay tuned for the final segment, which is the Stanley Cup. So I'll talk to you guys in the next segment. One of the biggest things that a lot of people overlook in this Stanley Cup Finals is how well Vegas has been able to shut down on defense. I mean, that's that's one of the things that I feel like is a little bit overlooked, especially with how well their attack is. Um, but then also look at the Panthers. The Panthers have not been able to score as proficiently as they will and as they normally do, as some of their best players have not been performing up to par. Uh, you, you can just take a look at what's been going on with, excuse me, you can take a look at how Alexander Barkov and also Carter Verhage have have been only only been scoring two goals apiece for this entire series alone in the finals for the Stanley Cup. And another thing, one of their best players, Matthew Tuchuk, he just got hurt as well. And however, Vegas has just been doing their thing on the offensive side of the puck. 
look at how Marsha Salt has been able to has been able to score and and really get really good shots on on the goal as well. And look at how William Carlson has been able to step up as well. So personally, I think just to give a quick prediction on this last part of the pod, I really do think that Vegas is going to be able to escape and win Game Five to give them the first ever, uh, to give them their first ever Stanley Cup in their in their franchise. And on top of that, just another bright future for Vegas sports. So thank you guys for listening. And on top of that, I will talk to you guys later.